1: So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is what is money?
2: For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you
3: believe in crypto?
4: Digital currency may be an answer, but so it is the highly speculative asset.
2: Uh, I do own a point.
4: There is no second past. Welcome to the Crypto Curious podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and development. Plus, we'll share quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting at the early episodes, where we'll break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. Let's dive in together and discover the exciting potential of crypto. In this This week's episode, the lowdown on the most talked about topic this week in town, which is Coinbase's Layer 2 base, plus murder and intrigue as we talk about the death of crypto queen and fugitive Raju Idnotova, as well as the biggest drop of the NFT market in history, which happened over the weekend. And why did that happen? Well, we're going to tell you. All of that is in today's episode. So hang around. My name is Tracy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Blake and Craig. Hello and welcome, boys.
5: Hello, guys. Hello, friends. How are we?
4: Good to be back for this week. And as we said, a lot of news. But let's get into it and talk about what was arguably the most talked about bit of news over the last seven days, which is Coinbase launching an Ethereum layer 2 called Base. So this one offers developer friendly ways for anyone anywhere to build decentralized apps. Coinbase has stated that their their goal here is to onboard billions of users through this new layer 2. And also a lot of people are seeing this as a real boost for Ethereum as well, boys.
5: Yeah, so Coinbase have doubled in decentralized products before, they had their own wallet, which was a competitor to Metamask, which I think no one uses. But Base, which is what the layer two is called, will be built using the Optimism OP stack. And they say that the OP stack is the most legit layer two on Ethereum going. Optimism is actually its own layer two. And now Base is another competitor built on top of that layer two. So Blake, can you explain that? Cause I, I got confused.
3: Yeah. So just so we can go back over what a layer two is, you know, layer ones, are protocols like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and generally these platforms are very secure, but as a result of the security there's trade-offs and it means that they can only have so much throughput or so many transactions per second or so much data moving across the platform because, um, you know, basically the more that you let through the, the less security there is in response to this in order to help the crypto ecosystem evolve um, they started building protocols that sit on top of the layer ones and they call these layer twos and these often don't have as much security and they rely upon the layer one for the security component and they focus on usability so allow more throughput, make it easier for developers and platforms that you know, for example create NFTs mm. um, to be created on top of them. um, And they're far more efficient from a cost point of view um, because of all this. So it looks like um, Coinbase, uh, I'm not too sure, but I believe that they've copied Optimism to make their own um, in the same way that the Binance chain copied Ethereum to make their own chain. They're just making it more user-friendly so people can build on top of it um, and build more applications.
5: Yeah. And uh, Optimism is actually fully open source. So all the code, it's not Mm. like they're sneakily copying the code. It's you know, they're going to now be a core developer contribution to the optimism code. So it will just improve. And and
3: that's really what's allowed for the flywheel of innovation in this ecosystem is that lots of these platforms and protocols are open sourced. So they can be um, reviewed by people from a security point of view, but also it allows developers to add to them and make it their own. Um, and then you know it allows for the ecosystem to evolve really quickly.
4: Okay. And they've talked about becoming descent because there's moments it's centralised. Can you explain that, Blake?
3: Yeah, so in the beginning, most of these protocols end up being very centralised. Bitcoin, for example, only had a few people mining it in the very early days. Same with Ethereum. There was only a few miners when they were getting the network going. But then over time, as more and more people start participating with the network, the validators are created, more miners um, start mining it, and then eventually it will become decentralised. And this is an important step or process for many of these platforms to go through, not just um, from a security point of view, but also from a regulatory point of view.
4: Okay. And and they're calling these sequences instead of miners, is that right?
3: Uh, sequences maybe instead of um, uh, validators. Right. Yeah.
4: Okay. That makes sense. So apparently 48 crypto partners um, had access to this test net, um, which was launched just a few weeks ago. And companies like uh, Chainlinks, Magic Eden, Uniswap, They all had access to this and we've been testing for a couple of weeks.
5: Is it going to have its own token? No, it's not. Unlike Optimism, which had the most hotly anticipated airdrop, they said publicly that they won't have a token. And not all Layer 2s need a token. Arbitrum also doesn't have a token, which I'm dying to have an airdrop for, by the way. But obviously being crypto, typical news that this coin, which is totally unrelated Random coin called Base pumped 270% because we don't do our DD here. We just buy.
4: Was it actually a, a coin that was already called Base? Or was it a fake coin produced there and was, No, no.
5: There was a coin already existed okay. called Base. Yeah. And you could tell it had a few pops like a few weeks ago and a few months ago where people are clearly thinking, okay, well, this Coinbase news is coming. People are going to buy this. Yeah, okay. Do your DD, guys. But the Coinbase stock, which I'm a shareholder of – took a little bit of a, um, had a little bit of a pump, which I'm happy with.
4: Tiny little jump, nothing like this new- 2%? Yeah.
5: (laughs) And then the fake token pumped 270%. In one day. There you go. There you go.
4: So why does all this really matter, folks? Well, the largest crypto exchange in the US has officially joined the Layer 2 war. So as we've just told you, these Layer 2s provide cheaper and faster transactions compared to the Layer 1s like Ethereum. So to compare that to today, costs like $0.20 per uh, we were just talking about um, optimism compared to a thirty over on Ethereum to do a transaction. So as you can imagine, these layer twos are pretty popular, especially over the last year. Um, but there's a lot lot of others in the marketplace as well. So obviously Coinbase just looking to take a little bit of the pie there as well.
5: Yeah, and it would probably be Coinbase will probably try to create their own ecosystem, which by the way, they have tried with the Coinbase NFT product which no one used so Mm. they've definitely tried to jump into different areas before with questionable success Um, so let's see how this layer 2 goes especially in the DeFi space because I think that's the main use of layer 2 is when people want to swap want to stake yield their tokens getting charged with a big fee yeah isn't ideal all
4: right well once again Coinbase do do things pretty well so we'll see how that one goes on to our next story Bulgarian investigators claim that the infamous crypto queen was murdered back in 2018. Dr. Ruzsa was added to international fugitive lists, including the FBI's 10 most wanted and Europe's most wanted list after the infamous one queen scan back in 2017. The search for Ruzsa took a dark turn and it's been reported that she was killed back in 2018. So documents reportedly were found in possession of a murdered Bulgarian police officer that say she was murdered on the yacht of a drug lord who was trying to cover up his involvement in her infamous scam, which fleeced investors out of as much as $5 billion back in 2017. So I don't know if you guys are up with this one. Blake, you're around. I know a bit about it because I did listen to the podcast that was out last year, but Blake, you're around in 2017. Do you remember the one coin scam at all?
3: Yeah, I did hear reference to it back then, um, mm. but I don't think a lot of the money came from Australia. I think they did their capital raising elsewhere. Um, it was just one of those projects that kept going and going, and people were saying, "Hey, this is this is a scam," but they they kept the act up. Uh, they made you know an incredible amount of money, so mm. it'd be um, really interesting to know if she's actually dead or not, or she's you know on a super yacht somewhere, yeah. living,
5: living the life.
4: You, do you, you know a bit about this one, Craig?
5: Yeah, uh, like you listened to the podcast, but same with Blake. I don't think it hit. Australian shores. I think it was mostly Mm. maybe Asia and Europe, which got hit a bit heavier than us, but it was essentially a Ponzi scheme. And I'm just researching it now. You could buy educational material Mm. for up to 120,000 euros or even up to 225,000 euros. And pretty much it was a promise of a decentralized currency. Obviously it wasn't. It was all on two servers, one in Bulgaria, one in Hong Kong. Mm. And that podcast, which we'll put in the show notes, it was actually these private investigators which flew over to Bulgaria and were like legit looking for her in this podcast. It's a great listen. So mm.
1: we'll
5: add it.
4: It was a little bit of a, um, it was a bit of a barter system. And you can actually still, when I listened to the podcast last year, use some of the coins if you had them to buy some really mediocre stuff. But it was actually billions of dollars that they raised back in the day. And um, I think two of the founders uh, went to court and got done for it and she was obviously missing. But she'd been missing for a long, long time.
5: And this was – 2017, no one really understood what was going on. Like, people mm. were none the wiser. Early days for ICOs
3: and due diligence around mm. those things, it was all new. Everything was pumping, so people were just throwing money into these projects.
4: And she was actually selling out big stadiums where she was talking to people, going yeah. and doing massive. Like, she was like a messiah. She was there chatting with people. She like was like Gary Vee. She was a. In Bulgaria. She, exactly. She was. <laughs> the Bulgarian Gary Vee with no NFTs.
5: I would say that we've matured as an industry, but we just saw cartoon apes pump for half a
4: mil, so maybe not. potentially. But look, while we are talking on this subject, you know, we should have a conversation around scams because they are still rife. I think that these kind of scams that are more around um, giving big sums of money um, to – ICO type projects are a little bit easier to weed out because you do need to spend your time doing your DD and looking through them. But any takeaways for the listeners on on these types of scams, Craig?
5: If you don't understand, like this is clearly a Ponzi scheme because how are they just creating tokens out of thin air? And there's many that are still in the market, but like if you don't understand why the token exists and why you should buy it and what the purpose of it is, then don't buy it mm. because... Um, tokens like this where it's it's all about a reward. It's not really about the protocol usage or development or apps or games. It's just about the price going
4: up, mm. that's some red flags there. There you go. Again, be safe and do your own research. And it might be just worth pointing out that we did do an episode on due diligence
3: early on. Mm. Um, we'll link that in the show notes that shows you know, all the things that we look for, which sets out a process that you could potentially rely upon for doing due diligence on a crypto project.
4: Excellent. We often talk about big market drops, Bitcoin, Ethereum sell-offs, but over the weekend we witnessed the biggest NFT sell-off of all time. It seems to have started off when a well-known crypto whale, Jeffrey Hung, who goes by the name of Matchy Big Brother, sold off 1,010 NFTs. That's a big amount.
5: Bit of context as well. I suspect this won't be the last time this happens where a wallet can... Make a big sale, or like a well-known wallet does something, and people just follow in. Like the success of Nansen, people are learning how to read ether scan, um, and people are literally tracking these wallets to mm-hmm. to figure out what they're doing, copy in what they're opening into selling when they sell.
4: And we have to explain Craig maybe for the for people that don't understand about yeah. how this works in wallets. Is if when you when you've got your NFT in a wallet and you're looking at your MetaMask wallet when you're buying on OpenSea or wherever you're buying, you can click on your wallet or another wallet you're looking at and you look at the activity and you can see what they're selling at that that particular moment or you know their last sales and their activity. It's all out there for everybody to see.
3: And what many people do is they copy trade some of these whales. So these guys that have thousands of, of Bitcoin and NFTs, they'll copy all their trades because you know they've been successful. Um, so that they think if they copy their trades, they'll also be successful. Um, and I think some people have done really well out of that strategy. And of course, some people haven't. Um, so do your own research. It's
4: hard on NFTs though, because you need to have that rarity check. You need to understand what you're buying.
5: Well, what Nansen has is they will actually tag wallets. So they will identify if a wallet is early. They'll call that wallet smart money. If someone's like, um, and they got rare pieces, they call it like the rare hunter or something like that. Nice. Um, so they'll actually tag these wallets. So when you see an NFT project, you can see, well, how many smart money wallets own this project.
3: We haven't spoke, have we? Have we spoken about Nansen on the show, Gus? No, we should get them on. Yeah. Oh, we should definitely get Nansen on. But they're a company that does analytics in the crypto space. A lot of the data that we see on trading platforms, in wallets, and and on the blockchain itself can be analyzed for insights and they do a really great job they have a really user-friendly um, interface. So definitely check out June Analytics if you're interested in looking into any of that.
4: Check out Nansen. Yep. So we we reference Nansen a lot here on the podcast and a, a lot of news outlets and, and news pieces that we read also reference Nansen as well. Carry on with your story, Craig. But yeah,
5: Blake Blake did just mention June Analytics, which is another one where people can create their own reports, et cetera. A little bit different but similar. Mm. Anyway, so he sold 1,000 NFTs all up worth 18.6 mil mm. pretty crazy Yep. most of them were top collections so we had 300 other deed lands -hmm 191 Mutant Apes, 112 Azukis, and 90 Bored Apes. Obviously, the Bored Apes were worth the most. That's 10 mil worth of Bored Apes. Blake, what was the reaction?
3: Yeah, as a result of all of this, and there was massive FUD, or as we say, fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the in the NFT trading space. And as a result, um, 21 of the top 25 NFT collections dropped in price on Saturday night. Most floor prices fell by about 10% as the panic began to spread Bread.
4: Mm. So, yeah, like you said, a lot of people took notice of this. A lot of people saw what was happening and started to sell off as well. Some of those haven't rebounded too well. Some of them are still laying low, um, but I think, you know, it will bounce back. So, what looks like is happening here is a bit of wash trading. So, I'll make Jeff, he actually quickly purchased back um, 991 of those NFTs. A lot of people theorizing this may have been uh, a bit of a move to get some gains because he purchased those a little bit of a lower price. Uh, but another one of these thoughts is that Jeff is one of the biggest holders um, or users of Blur. Now, we spoke about Blur, we've spoken about Blur probably two or three podcasts in a row, um, if you want to go back and listen to those. But Blur is um, another big marketplace at the moment, shaking things up against OpenSea. And Blur is has given out a pretty big airdrop recently. And they've mentioned as well that there's another airdrop to come How exactly – maybe someone wants to do a good job of explaining how exactly he's washing the tokens through the marketplace.
5: Well, either he's selling – or rebuying on Blur to show that he is one of the top users and then therefore that is generally an airdrop criteria is mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. you're either a beta user or a tester or B, you're one of the biggest the best users. But he did actually receive the first instance of the airdrop. Yeah,
4: $1 million of Blur. Yeah, yeah, $1 million
5: of Blur. So clearly he's in the good books of Dam. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is all theor- theorising. But a little bit worrying how someone can sell and it can cause a mass panic. It just shows that. The market is a little bit shaky still.
4: Yeah. So again, I don't think this is the last time we're going to see this kind of volatility in the NFT space. So we'll see what happens from here. And with that, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll dive straight into our short, sharp news bites for the week. Okay boys, short sharp news bites, let's jump into it. I'm going to head off first today. Polygon Labs has cut 20% of its workforce, mostly in the US, Canada and India. Its treasury remains healthy with a balance of over $250 million and $1.9 billion Matic. Polygon's native token Matic was down 5% to $1.42 on the day of the announcement. The company has crystallised its strategy for the next several years to drive mass adoption for Web3.
3: So they've got, like, say, each of their Matic tokens is worth about $2 Aussie, and they've got almost $2 billion Manic token So they've got almost four billion dollars AUD of Matic tokens in the treasury, as well as two hundred and fifty million USD in cash, which is a massive treasury, right?
5: But Blake, it's not worth four billion because they can't sell it. We yeah, well, with-
3: I, I understand that. You know, liquidity is always an issue, but over time, they can make that liquid. You know, if they have a medium to long term time horizon, and that could you know potentially indefinitely fuel the growth
5: of that platform.
4: You're not a you're not a Polygon bull, Craig. No,
5: I'm not. Are you guys?
4: I, I'm. Big fan of, yeah, Matic. I like
5: it. I used it once and it took me like 45 minutes to bridge in and out and I just think, like, why would anyone do this?
3: Well, I don't know. These things will improve over
4: time. Many of these platforms are clunky when they first come out. Mm, and I'm probably a bit of a bigger fan because of their partnerships and what they've got going on with their um, fundamentals. I mean, their partnership with Instagram for me was, you know, pretty massive and a few other things they've got going on. So, okay. So Interesting. One for, one, one against. Or was that two for, one against? Blake's four, four, definitely. Mm, Okay. Blake, what's up next?
3: DeFi giants Aave and MakerDAO are distancing themselves from Paxos-issued stablecoins due to the New York State Department of Financial Services order for PAXOs to stop minting BUSD tokens. And we spoke about PAXOs and the BNB token in the previous episodes. Now, just just to be clear, this is about how the PAXO issue stablecoin BUSD is backed, not in regards to the technology that PAXO provides. So I've I honestly believe Paxos is a great company, Um, but unfortunately, um, they're having issues with regulators in regards to the management of this particular product that they've produced as a white label. So we'll see how that one plays out, but it's not looking good.
5: Yeah. And to follow on from that, Coinbase said that they've stopped, they will stop trading for BUSD in less than one month. So that's two weeks after Pazos said that they'll stop minting the stablecoin.
4: So Coinbase are jumping ship as well. There we go. Bit of pressure there. Next story. Real world artifacts from the famous Titanic wreckage are set to be tokenized as NFTs. Artifacts recovered from the wreckage will be tokenized in a partnership through the company that acts as steward for the sunken vessel. Artifact Labs will create NFTs for five thousand five hundred recovered artifacts. And as you'd expect, the NFTs touted are going to give you exclusive benefits for things such as VIP events, exhibitions, seminars with historians. Sounds really exciting and other cool experiences as well. So there you go. NFTs coming to the Titanic.
5: Dapper Labs, the crew behind NBA Top Shots and crypto Kitties. Did
4: you guys ever have a Crypto Kitty? No. I didn't, but I nearly did because they did a partnership with Muse really early on in 2020 and I should have grabbed one, but I didn't. But ugh.
5: Ba-bum. Ba-bum. So anyway, they're laying off 20% of their staff, nothing mm. new here. Mm. The company says they're just looking after their cash, Trace. No,
4: looking after their kiddies. Okay, fair enough. What's up next? <laughs>
3: All right, late last week, a blockchain analyst firm, Glassnode, um, which is another on chain data provider, said that the old supply of BTC, that is the coins that haven't moved from wallets in the past six months, hit. million BTC, which equates to about $370 billion worth of Bitcoin. Now, this is basically saying that all of these Bitcoins aren't moving. These people have diamond hands. They don't want to sell. They're happy to take a long-term view and hold their Bitcoin through the bear market. And this is the second highest it's ever been, um, following a record 15 million BTC in December.
4: Yuga Labs, the $4 billion company behind Board 8 Yacht Clubs, is about to debut their first ever Bitcoin NFT project. This one will be called 12 Fold, and it will be releasing 300 limited edition generative art pieces on the Bitcoin blockchain. So this one's pretty high profile as far as the biggest one that's been on Ordinal since it's been released, and we'll see how that one pans out.
3: Any idea about the cost of these, or is it like an auction?
4: Well, uh, isn't it just the same cost as all the ordinals, don't they? I know this is meant to be our homework as well. I think it was last week and I looked into it. Remember, we were like, here's your homework. Check how much these cost. I looked and they were between um, 55 and $150 per, you don't mint them, you um, scribe them. So that's how much they cost. It, it's not like they're all different.
3: Really? But for three, if they're doing 300 limited, if
4: you can pick one up for $150, it feels like... But it's marketing. It's a it's a marketing ploy. So unless you can pull them off there and do something with them, again, let's look into this because at the moment, groups like Board Ape Yacht Club, they're the ones that are suffering when it comes down to this big war that's going on in the marketplace for NFTs right now. When it comes down to Blur and OpenSea, because they're five ten percent cut of all of those NFTs, they're getting whacked at the moment. Well,
5: there was a key that Board Ape Yacht Club. I saw that key. Guess how much it sold for?
4: A hundred eighth.
5: Hundred hundred eighth? What do you think, Blake? Yeah, I'm going to say 120 ETH. 999 eighth. 1.6 mil. Boom. There we go. For a key. But yeah, they're suffering a lot. We should really look after them. We
4: really should. That $4 billion company is crumbling. All right. Finally, in
3: a story just out today, Robinhood has disclosed that it was hit with a subpoena back in December um, regarding the company's crypto listings and the custody of assets. Now, Robinhood currently lists 18 cryptocurrencies on its trading platform, including Bitcoin, Ethereum and Dogecoin. Um, Investors can buy as little as $1 and get started with digital assets, now, I would assume that part of the, you know, purchase of shares that SBF and, and FTX made or, or their their venture fund made, you know, would have had conditions around seeking liquidity and maybe even storing the assets with FTX or one of their entities. Wow. Uh, so, uh, who knows what's happened there? But then again, uh, we are talking short time windows, so maybe they didn't get a chance to actually uh, move that crypto across to them, um, mm. if that was a condition. So, yeah, more to see here.
4: Mm. And it must be noted too that they've only disclosed this today uh, as part of a due diligence program. Um, otherwise, they w- this wouldn't have wouldn't have come to light. Interesting, again. And that's it for our news today, folks, and the end of the program. Thanks for staying with us to the end. Once again, if you would like to get in contact, please send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io or join us in the Facebook group. You can find us, Crypto Curious Facebook group. And make sure that you follow us along. If you haven't hit the subscribe button to make sure that you're getting this podcast every week, then please do so. Take the time right now. Hit that subscribe button so you're getting us in your inbox every week. Again, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye for now. See you guys. Cryptocurious is a product of Equitymates Media. All information
0: in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to
1: all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.